This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, just about 8.03 on Saturday morning. Great to have you here this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning talking about your money, investing, the economy, and all those important things to help you grow your net worth. And with me is Chase Wilsey. Good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good morning. Doing well. No football game last night. No football game. It's funny. We were at a golf tournament yesterday. And, yeah. uh, you know, when the gentleman listens to the show regularly, he's like, so who'd you guys, who are you guys play tonight? <laughs> ah, no game tonight. So <laughs> It's because you guys are in the playoffs. And we're in the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So first round bye. And then uh, RB and Bishops played last night. It was a yeah. crazy game. Bishops lost on like a last second field goal. And so RB, who we saw last week, we'll see again next week. Oh, got to beat him. Gotta another, beat him. Yep, another another rivalry game, which we And fun. for those of you that don't know, Chase volunteers as the linebacker coach for the varsity team at Poway High. So that's why we talk about that in the beginning, because sometimes <laughs> the first time I get to talk to him, although we were at the golf tournament yesterday, so I kind of realized after I asked that, oh, well, you were there. No game. Yeah. No game. No game. No game. <laughs> and uh, a great tournament last uh, y- yesterday for the Padres Foundation. Yep. So glad we could uh, participate and sponsor that and help out uh, that yep. foundation. Put on by Ben and Woods. So I, yep. they, did, they did a great job. It was a great tournament. Yeah. yeah. We, we like doing those. So I uh, got a lot, of, lot to talk about today. We had uh, employment numbers came out yesterday. So let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, 531,000 was the uh, increase in uh, jobs in October. Uh, unemployment fell again, a 0.2% to 4.6%. And notable gains were in leisure, hospitality, professional businesses, kind of across the board, I think it kind of was. Uh, and, and there, you know, I, I saw this number. I had to bring this up because we always talk about the JOLTS report, which is yep. Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey. There are now 7.4 million unemployed, and I can't wait to get that Jolt report. Is it still going to be 10 million? Do you think or what? I think it's still going to be 10 million. I I don't think it's going to be as high. I think we're done with the record levels levels on the Jolt report. I, yeah. I think that's in the past. It's now people are coming back and those jobs are getting fulfilled. But I think we're still going to be near record levels. I think we're still going to see a very very strong report. And I, and I, I do want to say, I mean, th- this was a a strong jobs report. It's a good, yeah, definitely a good one. Yeah, I, I mean, you see, the the expectation was four fifty, so I mean, they, it beat by about eighty thousand. I'll call it. That, right, that's a pretty darn good beat. And also, too, the, the big thing that I always like to look at is the revisions. Because think about all this data. Yes, <laughs> you I know. know. You got to look at so quickly. It. So I almost think that the the month after you get the the better data because right. you've had enough time to collect it. And remember, the September number was so bad. It was yeah. oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Well, it was revised upwards from 194,000 to 312,000. Huge revision. Huge revision. Yeah. So, um, as I said, a, a very, very strong. You pointed out hospitality. No surprise there. This yeah. has been the booming job market area, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, so far this year, it's up 2.4 million workers. <laughs> I mean, <Right. laughs> they were decimated last year. So, no surprise. And I do want to say, uh, I think you still need more. You need a lot more coming in there. We were at lunch this past Thursday. And I felt terrible for our waitress. She was running around the whole patio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was the only one out there. <laughs> and I was like, gosh, I mean, good for her. She's probably racking in the tips. But 
gosh, I felt terrible for her. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they, they do make very good money now. I mean, I, I've heard uh, waiters, waitresses making $25, $30, $35, $40 an hour. They are working very hard, but it's not like, well, why are you not going back to do that? Um, I, and I think it, we're seeing a sign that, yes, they're coming back. They said they would because eventually, like, okay, you know, I'm not getting as much from the government as I was. All right, my savings are kind of going down. Let me go back. Um, but, but again, I mean, you, you, and I think that the strong jobs report, the Delta variants, I think is kind of like in, yeah. in the rear view mirror now, which is, has helped a lot. I think uh, the Delta variants in the rear view mirror, you don't have the extended unemployment any longer. Yeah. And I think that kind of carry, I, I think it took about a month for that to subside and people to realize like, Oh, this is actually gone. Yeah. And I, I think you're starting to see that kind of aid the job market. Uh, even higher. And the big question I have, I mean, back in February 2020, before all the craziness started with uh, uh, COVID, uh, unemployment was 3.5 and 5.7 million were unemployed. Will we get to that level? I think it could be because we see so much demand in the economy, so much money in the economy we keep talking about. Uh, and I did also see in October, it was 11.6% of unemployed teleworkers. Now, uh, 13.2% in September. So actually more people going back to the office. Let me get that number again. In, in, in September, no, was, 13. Like, what? Yeah, I know, kind of got you off. Got to tell you. What's he talking about? Probably listeners thought the same thing. 13.2% in September were teleworkers, obviously working from home, telecommuting. And then that fell to 11.6% in October. Wow. Um, so more people. And and I noticed that when I go on the, the, the highway or the freeway, um, even this morning, like where are people going at, you know, 730 in the morning? There's a lot more vehicles. I'm stuck in traffic sometimes at night. So there's more people out there going back to the office. I'm going to say it. Uh-oh. Not good for gas prices. <laughs> <laughs> Not good for gas prices. But it does also show that people like money in their pocket. Okay, yeah. I'll pay, I hate to say it, $5 a gallon for gas. Although I, I do go to Poway Road. I think it's one of the l- lower price prices i think i paid four dollars and 14 cents uh last night uh at the station and um it's on the corner of palmer the road and poway road as well yeah i know what you're talking about i forget the name of it but yeah yeah and i was gonna say i was listening to a uh conference call from our refiner in the portfolio because you know i think a refiner is a great great place to be with gasoline where it is um but they were talking about you know diesels actually with all the trucking demand right. is above 2019 levels really yes and then the uh, refined products basically gasoline is pretty much on par now with 2019 the only thing that's still lagging no surprise is jet fuel right so that that they say could recover to 2019 levels they estimate by like q3 of next year as international travel does start to open back up but i mean I said people are on the road, and yeah. and I see it in the conference call from our refiner, and, and you just kind of see it visually with your eyes. Yep, yep. And and actually, talk about the airlines, and we won't go too deep into this, but I know the airlines. Uh, I think last week, uh, American canceled was it nineteen hundred flights like, in Southwest two weeks before uh, that. So so they are having some difficulty. I I'm, I'm not sure what the reason they cancel flights. Not enough uh, flight attendants, pilots. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah definitely some logistic issues with yes. you know. Uh, staffing and, and planes it seemed yeah. like so bad, bad situation <laughs> yeah, yeah and we don't hold a airline in our portfolio that's why we don't oh. know as much about it but um and but, i was gonna say before we move on i know we kind of got off topic on on this jobs report but i, I was gonna say that the thing that kind of remains an issue in this jobs report is labor force participation rate yeah and that is actually still 61.6 percent and it's really holding below the level that we saw in february 2020 by 1.7 percentage points 
That doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it's a whole lot when you actually yeah. extrapolate that across the entire U.S. population. So that is something that has been of concern to, to some economists saying, why aren't these people coming back to the labor force? And to be quite frank, I don't know if this is going to recover. I think we lost a lot of people to retirement because it's like, well, housing prices went up. My <laughs> stock portfolio is doing great. Yeah, I, I don't need to come back to the labor force. I, I'm done. I'm, I'm retired. Yeah, and I, and I did do a segment uh, last week on, uh, I think it was last week on uh, national program, but uh, talking about that. But I think there's going to be some people, oh, yeah, retirement's great. And then a year later, like, I'm bored. I think I'm going to go back and do something. I did so. Yeah, so so there'll be some, not all, but but some, but some will. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's move on and talk about the FAA uh, is drafting a special bulletin and the company mandates because they're concerned that wireless towers on the ground transmitting five G signals could affect certain automated features used by pilots. Um, yeah, and technical experts here uh, in the aviation industry worry that some frequencies using five G could interfere with radar altimeters, which are instruments that measure the distance between aircraft and the ground. And 5G wireless service is expected to go live as soon as early December. I mean, uh, I do hope these these get resolved here. (laughs) These issues do get resolved. And actually, both AT&T and Verizon came out and said, okay, you know what, we'll we'll postpone it for a month till January 5th to get it resolved. They, uh, from what I've read, they have no concerns on this is not what's happening, but we'll cooperate with the FAA. We'll postpone it for for a month, so you can do your due diligence. But they're saying there's nothing, nothing there, nothing with that, which is obviously thankful. And I'm kind of glad that okay, well, maybe just for a month we'll slow down because it'd be terrible to have a plane crash. But I do remember, and I and I could be completely off on this. I'm not a scientist or anything else, but I do remember, gosh, 10, 15 years ago. Don't use your cell phone in the plane. You could crash the plane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so uh, is it a similar thing? Perhaps I don't know, but I'm glad there's people smarter than me out there that can look at this stuff and say, no, it's not going to be a problem. We'll, we'll just double check it. And I, I don't think they would have went this far with five G if there's a chance yeah. that it would, would cause that problem. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not worried about it long term. And you know, it's funny. Uh, AT and T and Verizon were down on that news uh, the other day when they said they were going to delay it. Sorry here, Brendan, but uh, I'm going to bring up Tesla because <laughs> people know how much we love Tesla. Um, it's funny when other companies say, we're going to delay something a month. Elon Musk just says things and, oh, yep, no, never mind. The Cybertruck, yeah, I thought the Cybertruck was supposed to be here by now. Yet Tesla, they just yeah. keep climbing. They never have pullbacks when their production is delayed. Where AT&T and Verizon, it's like, yeah, this is going to be resolved in a month. Oh, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. like, what? <laughs> and by the way, speaking of Tesla, whatever happened to their sports car? They have that sports I car. Know. I don't even hear about that anymore. Uh, Brendan has a comment, I think, on that. He's got something on that. <laughs> you I got just, one? I just want to say, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Tesla's stocks earlier in the week. and went oh, down man. slightly. I was, you know, giving a thumbs up like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do have to say, down slightly from the 20, 30% gain. <laughs> Any downslope of Tesla, I'll be cheering <laughs> over here. Happy. And, and again, I do want to point, Tesla's a great car. Elon Musk is a smart guy. Yeah. But it's just ridiculous what that stock trades at. And again, I'm telling you. And people said, oh, you've been wrong. It's like, well, yeah, I've been wrong now. But again, it takes time. And we always talk about uh, Alan Greenspan. The punch bowl was, what, five years early? And then irrational exuberance. Yep. 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 And I'll just say, I mean, I used this analogy before, but people go look at a chart at Cisco. And I wasn't managing money at the time. But I'm going to say you, when you were talking about Cisco, you were probably off, I'm going to say, 300%. You know, when it kept climbing and it kept going higher and higher and higher. And it's like, this just makes no sense. Right. And all of a sudden, it felt like, gosh, I think 70, 80, 90%. Is that going to happen with Tesla? 
maybe. I mean, it doesn't make any sense that it's valued at such a higher valuation than the entire auto industry. <laughs> you know, it makes no <laughs> sense. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, history does repeat itself. And it does many times take years for that to happen. Um, but what happens when it does actually fall, then people just scratch their head. Well, what happened? I understand. Because it was high and, and way overvalued for so long, that becomes the norm to some people. But it's not the, the norm for investing over a 100-year time frame. Everything eventually comes back to the norm, which is a company trading somewhere between 14 to 17 times earnings. And, and we do talk about how value, com- or not value company, but growth companies are worse three-year period, uh, down, what, 55%, I think it is. So it can, does, and will happen. Um, so just be careful if you're buying that. And the other thing, too, I don't want to get too far off topic here because I've been doing more on this. I'll probably do a segment on KSI about it, um, about the concentration, how important concentration is. And if you think, and they put, oh, yeah, I bought Tesla, and you find out it's 0.1% of your portfolio. Well, when we invest, and that's why we beat a lot of these other portfolios, so we're in a concentrated portfolio because we're not, and we don't hold Tesla, eh, that's okay. Yeah, okay, you made 1,000% on Okay, it didn't barely move your portfolio. Well, we're more concerned on portfolio management and moving the whole portfolio, not just bragging that, oh, we got Tesla and made up a you know, 1,000%. Yeah. So, but uh, let's move on because we did have some uh, big news last uh, week on Zillow and has now seen a stock uh, plummet, oh, gosh, uh, 30% uh, this week after announcing it'll be putting an end to its home flipping business and also cutting 25% of its workforce. It appears Zillow Analytics produced questionable results. As Key Bank Capital Market points out, Zillow listed, listen to this number, 66% of homes at prices below what it paid for them with an average discount of point, I'm sorry, 4.5%, uh, two major. Uh, thoughts come to mind to start with the rising home prices that we have seen. How did Zillow miss that bad? And in and, and May, uh, we are, were seeing year-over-year growth of 23.6%. And al- although it pulled uh, in September, we still saw year-over-year growth uh, 13.3%. Also, how good are those Zillow estimates online? You got to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, and it's funny, you know, did this post on Facebook and um you know, I was talking to a future father-in-law, and he's in real estate, and yep. he's like, nobody trusts those Zillow estimates anyways. <laughs> and, you know, same thing. Realtors are saying the same thing about uh, the Zillow post. And sure enough, it's like those Zillow estimates clearly were not that good. Not so that good at so all. be careful if you're thinking, yeah, I got a million-dollar home, because Zillow says, nope, your home is what is worth what somebody will pay for it. It's not worth yeah. what Zillow says it is, especially now that they're not doing this home buying business. Right. <laughs> it's worth what somebody will pay for it. So be careful of those Zillow estimates. But also, too, I want to point out, the company says it will take several quarters to unwind this business unit as it is still has 9,800 homes in inventory across the entire country. And this is scary, too. Another 8,200 homes in contract it has agreed to buy. I'm going to say good luck getting out of it the contract yeah. to buy those homes, yeah. especially being that large. But uh, for home prices overall, I would say this is a negative as there is now additional supply from Zillow coming online and the demand side from the company will no, no longer be present. Uh, personally, I would like to see these large companies stay out of this business as I believe it could skew the market as it creates additional competition and prices buyers out of the market. I mean, you think about Zillow coming in now and you, you got you know, Joe Smith over in Arizona saying, okay, I'm going to buy a house for, you know, 400000 right. Well, Zillow, they have a huge war chest, yeah. and they could buy it for much more. So I think they kind of 
skew that market. And I, I think that's part of the rapid increase we've seen in uh, home prices comes from this activity we've seen, which is known as iBuyers, which what Zillow is right. doing. And, and one thing we didn't do, because uh, we don't own Zillow, didn't look at buying Zillow, but I don't know what their balance sheet looks like. Was a lot of this money borrowed money? Did they have the cash? Uh, maybe somebody will call in about investing in Zillow. Because somebody did say, is this the time to buy Zillow now? And I said, based on, uh, actually, I think it was your father-in-law, by the way. Yeah. And I said, based on what I see, it's not what we call a fixable problem. They made a mistake. Their, their uh, logarithm is not good. It doesn't work. It's not like an inventory problem where it's going to come back around. They, they blew this one. They, they cannot do it. I think you need local realtors to know more about what's going on in the neighborhood in that area. You can't run a, a nationwide thing and, and price homes. And I'm going to say, I mean, this is, is proof that technology is great. Yeah. But you still need an analytical mind to look at things. Yep. Technology and algorithms, yeah, they help. But you still need somebody to sit back and I think analyze it. And, and that human touch, I think, is still so important. And it really rings true here. And showing how, how poor Zillow did during a booming housing market. It's I know. Like, it. Jesus. <laughs> so I, I do think that, you know, people are always worried about technology. And technology will change things. But I think there's always still going to be that human component to make sure that the analysis makes sense. And, yep. and clearly nobody was doing the analysis of Zillow. They were just relying on an al algorithm. Yep, yep. I always call it logarithm. What's the algorithm? Logarithm. Yeah. logarithm is something you do in mathematics. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, And I don't use them, so therefore I don't know which one is which, but I know they're not good. Well, yeah. sometimes they are good. Sometimes they're not. Yeah. This time, didn't work out very good. So, And, and, and again, I know they're in investing as well, and they don't. They, they may work short-term. Anything that works short-term, yeah. but long-term, many times they don't. Uh, phone numbers you want to call in for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about, that phone number to get, uh, get through to us, 866 Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. We got all fine lines open, so give us a call. Chase, let's talk about uh, real quick here before the calls come in or as they come in. Uh, stock buybacks are on a record pace in Q three, as estimated they will surpass two hundred and twenty four billion dollars, which is above the record of two hundred twenty three billion that occurred in the fourth quarter of two thousand eighteen. Now. Overall, I'm a fan of stock buybacks when companies do it at a good price without excess leverage. Yeah, hate to see companies borrow money and put themselves in a dangerous yeah. spot with the balance sheet. But <clears throat> the thing that we point out, the reason we like these stock buybacks is they increase the ownership that shareholders have in the business as the share count is reduced. Uh, I do worry about proposals for taxing stock buybacks as it would likely decrease the practice and make other forms of capital deployment more enticing. So... You know, you hear all these politicians, oh, okay, well, we're going to raise money, and, you know, we're they're doing a lot of stock buybacks, so we're going to tax that. Right. I'm at company. I'm saying, okay, I'm not doing stock buybacks anymore. Right. <laughs> like, I, I, I know. So your your estimates on the money you were going to raise, well, now that's all for naught because companies are going to do it at a reduced rate, so you're not going to raise the same amount of money, and you hurt shareholders. Yeah, yeah. And, and what is the, uh, you know, because, again, I can kind of see, okay, if you have income, we'll tax the income coming in. But when a company says they're going to do stock buybacks, that's not money they're bringing in. They're helping out their shareholders. Who was a politician came up with, like, hey, I got a great idea. Let's tax stock buybacks. Like, I, I just don't get why they'd even do that. And I really think what would happen is companies would say, all right, well, we'll just pay more in dividends. Yeah, they, they could. However, 
And again, if that changes taxation of dividends, the stock buyback was always nice because you'd have less hands in the pie, so to speak. So if you're still in that pie, your piece got a little bit bigger. So therefore, the stock should go up in value. Uh, and you pay no tax on that because it's an unrealized gain until you sell it. But I'm saying the reason the company would pay dividends is why should a company, when they're trying to help their shareholders, yeah. pay a tax? Right. At least when they pay the dividends, it's like, well, hopefully, you know, if you own a tax-deferred account, a Roth account, we're well, not going to pay any tax on the dividends. And then, yeah, the, the shareholder is going to be the one that has to pay taxes on those dividends. Right. But, yeah, if the company's doing stock buybacks, it's like, well— I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm not going <laughs> to, I don't want to have to pay taxes on doing buybacks. That's just a waste of capital. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it is kind of, and I like stock buybacks for the right company. Now, again, you've, you've got uh, a lot of cash on your balance sheet. Uh, you, you're growing the business. There's nothing out there to buy. Your stock is a good, uh, good value now. Uh, you've got the cash. Yeah. Go, go ahead and use some of that money to help all your shareholders. I don't like when they leverage the balance sheet. I don't like when they, uh, unless it's a super great buy where like the stock's trading at, I don't know, eight times earnings. Uh, okay. I guess maybe then it would make some sense to go out and borrow at three or 4%. Uh, but the other one too, I hate is when they, Oh, we're going to buy our stock back and the stock's trading at, you know, 25, 30 times multiple. Like why are you doing that? We have seen over and over in history when you pay a high price for your own stock, you come back and you look kind of foolish, you know, five years down the road, you did that. Yeah. And sometimes it, it does happen to companies as well. I'm going to point out like IBM and even Intel. Right. Well, they've bought back a lot of stock over the years, and it hasn't necessarily aided their their stock price. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think, you know, I worry about IPM's balance sheet. You know, I, I don't think they're as in as good of a spot as Intel. Right. But, yeah, Intel right now, their stock price is down. Right. And it, it appears they wasted money on stock buybacks. I, I don't think in five years from now, I don't think that'll be the case. I yeah. think that they'll be in a fine spot, and they reduce that share count, which now— gives the shareholders more ownership as you said in that company. And I think five years from now, I think Intel's gonna be a, a great, great company as they're investing in the future. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not doing I, stock buybacks now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And and I agree with that. And the other thing it does too is that again it, it, it increases the ownership for those people that are holding out with Intel. And Intel has a great balance sheet. They have great earnings. I mean what's their profit margin? Like I think like 25, 30 percent. Yeah. Um the the thing that in the stock market they're not very popular because oh they don't have any growth. When you look at their earnings today versus five years ago, they look very well. They pay a very nice dividend. So it's a very good, solid investment, but it's not the hype of a Tesla or an Amazon, which actually Amazon, I think over the past year seems to be, maybe I'm wrong about it, seems to go from 3200 to 3400 I don't think it's done much either over the last year or so. I don't think it's really moved. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to kind of look at what you're doing there. So, um, okay, phone number is 866 Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Al. Al, you're in the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, I'm looking for APHLF. Okay, now the, the stock has doubled in recent weeks, and I'm looking to make a call on it. Uh, we don't have the symbol. The symbol didn't come up. What is that symbol? APHLF. A P H L F said alpha lithium. No, no, that, that's what comes up with a apple, Paul, Harry, like Frank. Uh, that, that, that's that's alpha lithium. Yeah, I, I looked on two different sources here and I, I see uh, alpha lithium corp is the, the ticker symbol there for or the, the name of the company when I type in A P H L F. 
and I checked two different sources there. Yeah. Uh, so we got the wrong company, there, Al. Hmm. Well, they're they're a uh, they're a um, a battery producer. They're they're a uh, the forever battery for uh, EV cars. Well, I think that's the same company. That that's, should, that well, should yeah. be it then, yeah, yeah. because it's uh, lithium is a uh, what's used in the batteries for EVs. Yeah, so I I think we got the same company. Yeah, I think you got to check the name of the company that's uh, that you're looking at because uh, Alpha the Lithium. The price of it is just below a dollar. That's it. Yep, we got it. All right, well, let's take a look at it for you. Take a look at uh, Alpha Lithium. Symbol is APHLF. They are in the uh, industry of industrial metals and mining. Uh, nothing on the float side for shortness. No institutional ownership. Uh, report last was June 30th. Uh, so kind of behind, I think, on the reporting. It could be coming up pretty soon. Uh, no PE ratio. Price to book value 3.2. That does exceed the industry at 2.2. Uh, no cash flow, no pig ratio, uh, no earnings per share growth, no sales growth, uh, no dividend. Uh, looking at the balance sheet here, they got a current ratio. Now, this is very strange, 26.9 versus 3.4. says that they have a lot of cash on their balance sheet, uh, obviously, is what they have, which, uh, again, sounds kind of strange. Debt to equity, zero. That's good. No debt on the balance sheet, so they won't be forced into bankruptcy. Uh, we do see no net profit margin, return equity, a negative 14.9. Uh, that's about all I got. Uh, Chase, I don't know if you got anything over there on, on this. Uh, probably a small company, too, isn't it? Yeah, so currently, as you said there, Al, the, the stock price is $1 exactly as of the close yesterday. 52-week uh, highs, $1.30. And wow, the 52-week low here, one penny. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, but I, I do point out year to date, it's up 72.1%. So it has done very, very well over the last year. Wow, up 132%. Um, market cap, as we kind of assumed here, just $117 million. Wow. It, it is wow. a tiny, tiny right. company here, Al. And, and unfortunately, I just I don't get any analysts on it. I, I right. checked, uh, again, two different sources here. I, I think it's so small that um, you're really on your own. And this thing is going to fluctuate up and down like crazy because it's it's a small company. You're going to have somebody gump, jump in and buy a decent amount. It's going to move the stock way up or somebody sells a decent amount, move the stock way down. I, I think you you could see this thing just bumping all over the place. Is that what it is? It was it was about 50 cents two weeks ago. I could be. Yeah, and we, we don't have a chart to show when it moved, but again, the low for the year is a penny. Uh, so it has been going up. It did what, peak at, uh, Chase at, what, $1.30. So now it's pulled back, but it's just one of these that that's going to be based on oh the EV market and oh we need the batteries and so forth. Um, this stock, uh, you know, year or two from now could be ten twenty dollars a share, uh, could be gone. Yeah. So it's one of those high risk plays. And uh, did, did you say you bought it, Al? Or you're looking at buying it? No, I haven't bought it. You haven't bought it, yeah, yeah. So I it'd be very risky, but uh, you know, again, uh, could do very well because it's in that market. We know that EVs are doing well. However, I know that. That General Motors and some of these companies are actually trying to build their own batteries. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, okay. High risk one. All right, Al. Okay. Thanks for calling. Bye. Thank you. All righty. That does open up the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three. Kind of a slow morning on the calls here. I mean, last yeah, week we foggy morning, yeah, kind of people, cold out. I, yeah, sleeping I know in. I had a hard time getting out of bed this morning. I like, looked outside and I was like, "Is it really seven o'clock right now?" <laughs> <laughs> well, and tonight, don't forget to change your clocks because tomorrow you fall back. 
Uh, and I got a TV segment tomorrow on KOSI, so I remember not to show up an hour early. <laughs> it's asking about the phone is it does it automatically. <laughs> right, I know, I know, but my alarm clock, I still use the old uh, alarm clock on my thing there, and you know, I just kind yeah. of like that, but uh, wakes me up to music. Uh, but yeah, time changes tonight, and it was kind of strange. But I, you know, I've been doing the show for what over 28 years, and I'm like, I get here, like, yeah, I'm excited, I can't wait to do the show, but we got no callers. What's going on? People still sleeping, they're not as excited as I am. I, I guess, I don't know, but <laughs> we'll see what happens here. Yeah. I, I was gonna say one, one thing that I forgot to address while we we're doing the jobs numbers, sure, and it just kind of compounds on the, the, the concerns over the Delta variant. I, I mean, I, I was shocked when I saw this number here about the, the COVID cases. Uh, since September oh, yeah. 1st, COVID cases actually have declined by 57% in the U.S. I mean, I, I hope this will continue. And we saw more good news yesterday with Pfizer. Uh, Pfizer came out and said, gosh, I forget the effectiveness, but I, I want to say it was somewhere around 80% for their COVID pill, which, uh, you know, really hammered Merck stock, Moderna stock. But, you know, Pfizer got a nice bump. As, right. You know, just another, I'm going to say, a tool in the war chest for people to use uh, over concerns with COVID. Right, right. So. Yeah, and I think it will, because when you look at that, it will not rebound. When you look at what's going on, there are more people vaccinated. I know we hear a lot of the news like, oh, the mandates and so forth, but there's still people out there getting vaccinated. There are people that have had COVID, have the naturally uh, immune to to the uh, virus. So it can't be as bad as last year. Yes, we're going to be have Thanksgiving coming up. And remember, was it last year? Uh, we could always see when you, when we, like, I think it was like the holidays, you get yeah. together and then like a week Ooh. later, whoop, yeah. It, it spike up. I don't think we're we're going to see that this time, which shows that we're at the tail end uh, of, of the coronavirus uh, fears. And uh, even the Delta variant, I mean, that was a big thing, and now that's gone. Yeah. So, uh, and, and again, I'm not in favor of the mandates, but I, I feel that somebody, if they want to get the, the vaccination, sure, go ahead and get it. And you kind of almost force many times now to get it. Like, I, I think you said now the football program, if you don't have, if you're not vaccinated, uh, power unified thing. Power, okay. Uh, but uh, it's not just them. I mean, it's many places work. Okay, you don't want to get it? That's okay. But you got to be tested once a week. So yeah. Um, yeah. So it is interesting. And I, one thing I will say about this Pfizer. See, we got a couple callers about the Pfizer pill and the Merck pill mm-hmm. as well. If we're like, well, I forget the exact number. I think it's somewhere around seventy percent vaccinated. Uh, might, might be even a little bit higher. Might be a little bit lower. Just throwing out a number there, just for illustration purposes. Why is there such a excitement over a, a pill that's preventative of COVID if everybody's vaccinated? I'm a little confused on where all this hype is coming from. Uh, that Merck got this big pop and now Pfizer's getting this big pop off of, I think it's a preventative pill right. that is uh, going to be utilized. But I don't know. Things just kind of blow my mind. And, you know, and, and the other thing I'm going to say, too, is people that don't want to get vaccinated, are they going to want to take a pill? <laughs> from the from the same drug right. makers, and, I, I don't know. Yeah, and, and and actually, I mean, you know, COVID's here to stay. I mean, you, that, yeah. that's going to be around, but it's going to dissipate to where the cases are very low, and and there'll still be people that die from it, same as the flu and, and other things. But it's just not going to be this pandemic is what we need to get out of, which I think we are. And I just wanted to illustrate that point because I, I do worry people are buying and selling Merck and Pfizer off just the headlines of this COVID pill, and yeah. and. I haven't looked in too much detail what exactly that pill does. So I'm, I'm just kind of pointing it out. If you are looking at buying it because you're all excited about this pill, make sure you understand what exactly the benefit of it will be. Don't just, oh, the stock's up and they announced this great thing. And the FDA is going to approve it. And it's going to be so awesome. 
make sure you do your research on the benefit of it in terms of what the potential revenue could be, their earnings from it, right. especially long-term. Is it going to be something that is going to generate long-term revenue? I, that's what worries me with like a Moderna. What is going to be the long-term impact there? Right, exactly. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Noah. Noah, you're on the Smart Vest over on Chase. How can we help you? Morning, guys. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. Good. Thank you. Um, I called Dan. I'm a first time caller. Uh, very amateur investor, but uh, something I had been looking at, I guess, for the past half year at least, was um, Maps M A P S, and uh, they recently updated their ticker from uh, S S P K, I think, which was Silver Spike Acquisition. Okay. But um. These guys are like a uh, kind of like a Google of cannabis search engine. You can look up, find dispensaries, delivery services, uh, reviews on on cannabis products. And I like this because I feel like they're going to blow up with the cannabis industry, but long term have less loopholes to go through because they're not directly selling the cannabis. I just kind of wanted to see what you guys thought of that. And I'm wondering if, because you said they just changed symbols when I, and, and again, it's maps, uh, M A P P is and Paul, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, cause I'm not getting a whole lot of data on it. I do see there in the software application industry, institution ownership, 14.7%. But when it comes to the valuations, I'm not seeing any valuations. I'm not seeing any growth rates. Uh, I can't tell. I don't, I don't think they pay a dividend, but I don't see that there. I do see the balance sheet which does look pretty good. A current ratio of 3.2, about the same as the industry of three. Uh, no debt to equity or perhaps no equity there. That could be a possibility as well versus one for the industry. Uh, we do see that their day sales outstanding, 21.1. That's very good compared to the industry of 59.8. means they're turning over their sales a lot. We do see a net profit margin. This is good as well, 9.1% versus 5.3. Uh, return on equity, not good here. A negative 114 versus a positive 9.5. Uh, so kind of missing some data here so we can kind of see what else you got. Uh, did you have any numbers going forward, Chase? Well, I was going to say, I, I get WM Technologies. Is that, that the right name of the company there? Yeah, that's yeah. where I got it. Yeah. And then um, is that, I, I think I've seen billboards before. Is it weedmaps.com or something? Is that oh. what, what it is? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So I've seen them advertise around. <laughs> I've never used it, but uh, I have seen their, their ad, uh, advertising. Uh, I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, I get, kind of as Brent mentioned, not much data here. All I can really give is the current price at 1189 52-week high, $21.20. So I, we've seen a drastic, drastic pullback. And fit, right near a 52-week low of $11.29. So I'm very curious, what has brought this stock down? I see over the last three months, it's down 22%. Uh, company still does have a, I'm going to call it a decent sized market cap. I'm a little surprised by this. $1.5 billion is the, the size uh, of the company. But I, I don't have any information going forward on this business in terms of its estimated sales, estimated earnings. Uh, so that's always a little bit problematic. You're kind of in the dark on, on what's occurring there. I do wonder, you said they changed their ticker. I wonder if they were a SPAC that converted into mm. a now weed map. Yeah. I believe that it was the case. Okay. It was okay. the Silver Spike Acquisition Corp. Yeah, okay. that, that, that would be the case then. So um, I, I think it, it is a big gamble right now. I mean, it, it could. I, I definitely agree with your uh, analysis of saying, yeah, I think they're going to have less regulatory problems than the, the other, I'm going to call it weed manufacturers, weed right. distributors. Uh, having that kind of software technology, I think, is 
going to be easier, but uh, what is the sales and earnings capacity of that? Uh, not quite sure on that. Kind of in the dark with no analysts following it at this yeah. time. And, and no, one thing I'd recommend too, I, you said you're new to investing and first time caller, thanks for, for picking up the phone or giving us a call. But uh, be careful here being a new investor. You'd hate to put all your money in these type of companies because this is one that, again, it's at uh, what, about $12 a share now. This could be at 24 34 you know, $50 a share, you know, two, three, four, five years from now. It could also become worthless and all of a sudden you're going to say, oh, stock investing is terrible. You've got to understand the risk you're taking with this type of a company is very high. And the higher the risk, the higher the re reward. But again, it also means you can lose the money. People will say, oh, well, I'm going to get a higher return. Not always. Sometimes you lose that money. So uh, since you're new to investing, I mean, if you want to buy this company based on it, and again, your concept sounds pretty good. Unfortunately, the numbers aren't there to justify the buy. But if you want to do that, do that. But also do some other good investing into good companies. I mean, you can uh, – how long have you listening to the show, by the way? Uh, so I used to work on Saturdays often, so I used to get it every day. But this is probably my first Saturday working in a while, so I was driving up. And, uh, I mean, I, I, this is, like, kind of, like, play money, like, definitely, mm -hmm. like, part of my savings. But I, I invest heavily in my, like, 401K and my Roth IRA, and that's all pretty much dedicated to a target date or, like, a large cap fund. So – I, I'm not too crazy, but yeah, I did kind of want to start dabbling just in those individual plays. And, and I was hearing you guys talk about it, so I thought I'd ask about this one. Okay. And, and, and I mean, because what we're kind of looking at is having to do some other you know, investing in quality companies. I would, we have talked about before, be very careful on those target date funds. They're kind of, in our opinion, missold because we do believe interest rates are going up. And when rates go up, bonds go down. And those target date funds many times have a fair amount in their portfolio into bonds. So look deep into that because you may not want to be in the target date funds. Little little tip there for you. All righty. Okay, no, thank you very much. Okay, Noah, thanks for calling. Bye, -bye. All right, guys. Have to call again. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. All right, that opens up the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three. Can I uh, add something super super quick? Sure, sure. I know that Kevin Durant is actually a huge investor into the Weed Map company too. Really? So uh, I don't know if that's also helped publicize the company even more. Yeah, he uh, stated publicly that he put a lot of his money uh, in this year's contract uh, into the company stocks. Kevin so, Durant. Why is that name for the uh, basketball player? He's, okay. a huge, he's like one of the best basketball players, but you know, LeBron James a little bit better, but that's besides the right. point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so maybe that public, uh, publicization helps a lot with the stock as well too. Maybe. I'm, I don't know. I'm glad you brought that up because that happened a lot with the SPACs where they get these athletes, these big names doing it. And I, I'm sorry to say many of them have no clue on investing. And just because you get that big name in there is not a reason to invest. So thanks for bringing it up, Brennan. All right, uh, eight forty. Let's go to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. I see now he's up at Newport Beach. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. I see we're talking about uh, tax consequences of moving, part two from last week. So hopefully, and if people missed it last week, then go to our podcast at SmartInvesting2000.com and get part one. But tell us about part two. Yeah, so last week was about the capital gains on moving. In this case, we're going to talk a little bit about the property taxes. So when you sell a house, or not necessarily sell, but when you buy a new house after moving, your property taxes get reassessed to that new current market value. So in California, thanks to Prop 13, when you buy a house and you start paying your property taxes, generally your property taxes don't keep up pace with the increase in value of your property. So the longer that you own it, 
the better your property tax situation because the annual increases in on are are so small. Um, now, like I said, now when you move, your property taxes get reassessed. Um, the current rate is about one and a quarter percent or so of the purchase price. So it's you know when you move, you not only have to pay the mortgage and insurance, but now you have this this property tax bill. And so keep in mind when you look around on Zillow or Redfin or or places like that, for some reason, they underestimate the cost of property taxes. I think what they do is they look at the average property tax rate that everyone pays, not the property tax rate on new purchases. So you have to keep in mind when you buy a house, you are going to have to make sure that you can afford not only the mortgage, but the property taxes. Now, um, due to Prop 19, which is something that uh, came in place about a year ago now, that allowed people who are 55 or older to maintain their basis when they're moving. Before that, thanks to Prop 60, if you were over 55, if you downsized, you could maintain your old property tax basis. It wouldn't have to be reassessed on the sale, but that only worked if you moved to a house that was at a lower cost than the one you were coming from. But now with Prop 19, you can get a more expensive house, which a lot of people are doing right now. But you have to understand that your property taxes are still going to increase. What Prop 19 said is you get to maintain your old basis only up to that value of a new house. So, for example, if you buy a million-dollar house and you sell your old million-dollar house, your property taxes will stay the same. But if you sell your house for a million and buy one for one and a half million, then that $500,000 difference now gets reassessed at the one and a quarter percent rate, and so now your property taxes are going to increase. So, um and in that case, it would cost you a little bit over $6,000 a year. So when you move, it's not just the capital gain side. Now you also have to fully understand what that property tax situation is um, and, and make sure that you can afford that. And Harrison, as a financial planner for your clients, I mean, is this something that comes up as well? They kind of talk about moving. You kind of, again, look at that area for them as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the reason why I brought this up is because I was talking to somebody a week or two ago and they're looking about moving and it's not just, um, again, the mortgage price. It's like, well, what's that going to do our, to our property taxes? Oh, well, your property taxes might go up $12,000 if you're doing this. So you know, we have to count for that as well. Now, if you itemize some of that as deductible, and actually right now in this spending stuff going through Congress right now, they're thinking about uh, removing the $10,000 limit on the salt cap, which could mean that more of your property taxes will be deductible going forward, which is also a consideration. But this is something that we absolutely look at on these transactions. You know, moving from one house to another, financing it, affording the payments, um, doing all that, it's such a big transaction that doing it correctly and fully understanding it um, can add a lot of value to, to someone's situation. Yeah, it's just something that you got to look at all these things that you talk about uh, as a financial planner. Uh, so many things to, to go over on that. So, well, Harrison, thank you very much for, for calling in, and uh, we'll see you on Monday morning. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you Monday. All right, bye-bye. Again, as Harrison Johnson, our financial planner, again, he's a salary. He doesn't sell any product. He doesn't, uh, you know, try to push any annuities or life insurance. His job is strictly, as just as you heard, to look at your entire financial plan, your financial foundation of what you have. If you want a free consultation with him, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office. Uh, he's on our phone tree there, 858 uh, 858- 546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Just listen for his name there, Harrison Johnson. 
click that and you get a free consultation on how he can help you out. So, all right, uh, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Mel. Mel, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I was calling about the, um, it's an ETF uh, QQQ. Yes. And I've been in that and <clears throat> I don't know, you were talking about Tesla. They have, I think about 4% in the, of that fund in Tesla. And they are big into all the big uh, tech stocks, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of the NASDAQ 100. I'm just wondering if there's some other mutual funds that might be better to be looking at here for the future. Well, uh, and, and again, the, the QQQ has been around for many, many years. And the thing that we don't like, I don't know if Chase can pull it up, but uh, the actual concentration of it, because I think it's 100 stocks in there. And is it, I think it's a market cap weighted as well, I believe. I do believe so. Yeah, because yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, maybe it's not. Um, it could be. The reason I say that is I, I look at Tesla. Well, no, actually, that would make sense because Apple and Microsoft are still substantially larger right. than uh, Tesla. But uh, top 10 holdings are 53% of the QQQ. Yeah, no. um, I look at Apple, 11.3%. Microsoft's 10.1%. Amazon, 7.8%. Uh, Alphabet, when you combine the two share classes together, we'll call it about 8%. Uh, Facebook's 4%. Tesla's about 4%. NVIDIA is now about 4%. So, I mean, you see the, the right. weighted pretty heavily, especially right. Apple and Microsoft and Amazon and Google. Those, those are pretty high concentrations there. Right. And, 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 Mel, what worries me is that, you know, people fail to diversify. But as Chase just said, you're really kind of focused on these companies. Uh, 50%, you said, is a, a 10% or 10 of the companies. 53% top 10 holdings. Top, yeah. top 10 holdings or 10% of you know, uh, the holdings uh-huh. uh, accounts for more than half. We're not big advocates of that because we kind of look at things, and I'm very concerned. I saw this happen before. The QQQs fell dramatically, which I believe they will do in the future. Things are not going to keep going up every single every single month, every single year, and so forth. Uh, so you're very concentrated in that. And I, I don't know percentage-wise how much this makes up of your portfolio, uh, but we would rather prefer when we build a portfolio, we actually do it by businesses. We do have technology in our portfolio, but they're not based on they're, – they're not so highly uh, – Price. Price, yeah. exactly, yeah. So – um, and, and then your question is kind of like, are there other ones that you can invest into? There are a huge number of ETFs you can invest in. But the reason why we don't use ETFs because you're getting some good companies, some overpriced companies. We like to find that business that is not overpriced. So, um, But if you want to get one, I think in, in probably space technology. I, I think there's probably an ETF out there that they have uh, many, many different ones to, to work with. Yeah, and I would say here, Mel, I mean, uh, you've done well with the, the NASDAQ, the QQQ. I mean, it, it's it's listed as an index, and I, that's what concerns Oh, it's yeah. diversified across all these businesses, as, as we've kind of mentioned. It's really not, and it's really purely almost technology that <laughs> I don't even know. Probably 90 percent this yeah. is just a guess because i can't see all their holdings probably 90 percent of that is technology companies um is you know if tech starts to, to stumble which again we've seen in the past happen the nasdaq i think is just going to struggle immensely and it, it, it's way outperformed the indexes for the past few years the other indexes but I, i'd say definitely be cautious with it uh, there are good value mutual funds out there we definitely prefer the value type investing uh, we don't like mutual funds etfs but you did ask for what would we recommend? Right. I, I would say a value fund. Even further than that, we would recommend buying good pieces 
uh, of good value companies in a portfolio. That that's really what we strive to do in our portfolios. Yeah, and, and actually, I guess we could throw in there our own portfolio would, yep. would be a suggestion as well. So if you want to do the the QQQs and then do a value type portfolio, well, we'll see asset management. That's what we do. Uh, but I do remember, and this will happen again, I believe, is that back uh, when the QQQs were all hot and so forth, everybody loved them. Like, oh, they're the best thing ever. I don't know how many years it took to come back to break even. I want to say it was at least five to seven years for it to come back to break even. So right now it's very expensive. And when you pay a high price for something, uh, you know, you, there's actually a greater fool theory out there. They're saying, well, I'm looking for a greater fool. Well, that, yeah, that's price. what I was trying to look at. on it because yeah. I think that's a good, I think you're right on. I mean, I, I mean, you know, everybody's excited about it. I'm kind of excited about it. It went way up in the last, of course it went down there earlier, but last couple of weeks shot up, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, I'm just, well, and see, we also have some funds that just drug down our portfolio because they were, um, a lot of money in bonds. And yeah. so when you compare the bonds <laughs> to the QQQ, it's like they're on different universes. Right. And I, like I do worry. Nothing. They, they literally are like, they made zero over the last five years. And I do worry there, Mel, is you bring up two of the things that concern us the most in bonds and tech stocks, or the highly priced tech stocks. We think bonds are a terrible investment over the next five years. I, I We don't rep people, oh, I got to have bonds because I'm conservative, I'm older, I'm in retirement. We don't recommend bonds to any of our clients because we all know when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. I, I don't know about you, but with the 10-year note, I'm going to call it around 1.5%. Right. It's fluctuating around that level. I think the yeah. odds that it goes higher is much more likely than it going lower. So be very careful. If you are holding bonds, I, I, I think it's a a substantial risk to really going nowhere, especially in an inflationary period that we could see. Yeah, and Mel, I, I don't yeah. quite get, I mean, I agree with you, but why do you hear that from financial planners? Well, you're getting older now, so <laughs> let's go ahead and we'll go ahead and put half your money in bonds so that, Basically, I'm thinking it's why, so you don't make any money. Well, I mean, it's the old asset allocation thing, and, and I, I hate to say this, but I will. A lot of financial planners, a lot of brokers out there, they really don't know what they're doing, so they just follow this model. They don't know how to look to find out, well, what is a good buy? What you know, How am I going to value this? They don't know that. So, well, just put 40% in bonds and 60% in stocks, and long-term, you'll be fine. Uh, okay, let's, let me move on to somebody else. You know, That's what they do. They're not really looking at managing money for people. They're just trying to, to sell product, unfortunately, it, but... And it has worked over the last 40 years because we've been in a bond bull market. As yeah. I mean, you remember, I'm sure, interest rates around 17, 18%, you know? <laughs> I mean, they were so high. As those bond, or excuse me, as those interest rates have come down, bond prices have done done quite well, and they've, they've provided stability to portfolios. But now you have to think about going forward. We really haven't seen an environment like this where interest rates have kind of bottomed near these levels before. Right. So right. I think a lot of financial planners just follow, as Brent said, the asset allocation kind of theory there that uh, I, I think is going to be very, yeah. very dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And, and Matt, what I was going to say. by surprise a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, if you want, I'll give you our phone number for the office and you want to come in, we can spend more time with you, kind of go over, you know, more of how we do things and kind of help you more. If you want the phone number, I'll, I'll give it to you now if you want it. Oh, okay. Sure. It's uh, 858-546-4300. Eight five eight five four six four three zero six. Yep. 
or you can visit our website right. as well, smartinvesting2000.com, and, and people, yourself included, can send us a message there. So yep. a lot of times, if you want to get in contact with us, those are two easy ways. All right. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay, Mel. Have thanks for day. calling. You too. Bye-bye. All right. That opens up the phone line, 866-577-2473. Let's go up to, let's see, Oceanside and speak with Michael. Michael, you're on the Smart Vegetable, Brent and Chase. How can we help you? How you doing, guys? Love your show. Um, been listening for a little while here. Um, like to talk about LAC. I'll preface that with I do have residential income properties, some IRAs. I have, um, you know, some core holdings, and this is kind of a, a play money, kind of a speculative area. Um, I, the, you know, the old Clinton administration, I had heard, sold out a lot of our lithium to China and Russia. And um, I was trying to find some lithium stocks, that, but they're all really, really pricey. I found LAC. I bought it about six months ago at 14 bucks. I think it's a relatively small cap stock. Not sure on their earnings, but um, it's doubled in six months. But, you know, I know that that could go back down. And I'm just wondering whether to kind of buy or hold, considering it's a small, small portion of my portfolio. All right. Well, we'll take a look at it here, see if we find some numbers for you. Coming again is a Lithium America's symbol, LAC. Uh, I do see institutional ownership is about 21%. Uh, they do not have a PE ratio. Price to book value, 7.2. That's well above the industry at 2.2. But they have no intangible assets on the balance sheet. So the price of tangible value, also 7.2. So that's good. But the industry is 14.2. So compared that way, it does look good compared to that. We don't see any price to cash flow or no peg ratio. So I do not believe they have any earnings. So therefore, we do not see any earnings growth uh, over the last year. Unfortunately, I'm not seeing any sales growth here either. So it's probably a very small company. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. Taking a look at the balance sheet, again, this seems to be the norm. The last uh, battery company looked at had the same thing, a current ratio here of 56.7 versus 3.4, so a lot of liquidity, which is very good. Debt to equity, 0.3 versus 0.6. That's a very good number for that. Uh, no net profit margin. Return on equity is a negative 8.4. Don't have much else on that. Chase, you have anything going forward on this company? It's so interesting. I mean, I look at these lithium companies and there's no information. I mean, it's, they're not even making sales right now. So I I don't know when they're going to make sales to the EV companies. They have the lithium. I I would think they would be selling it. I'm not sure, but uh, I always find that kind of interesting. But I do want to give some numbers here on the current price, $32.67. 52-week high, $33.42. As you said there, Mike, we had done quite well with it as the low, $8.95 to about 160% year-to-date. And this is a uh, much larger lithium company than the one we looked at earlier. This one's about a $4 billion market cap, so decent size on this business. Unfortunately, if I go forward, still not seeing any earnings estimates. In fact, in 2022, they're estimated to lose $0.20 per share. So... Uh, kind of as we said with uh, the other lithium company, it's it's really rolling the dice. I mean, we know that it's going to be a part of society moving forward as the shift to EV is occurring. But at what value is this company going to present, I guess? And that's really, you said you're rolling the dice on this one, or I forget your exact terminology. but Yeah, just kind of a speculative uh kind of a speculative move on, on you know, on this particular stock. 
Yeah, and I, I do think it's it's going to continue to be the same. It's more than double tier. It, I, it could double I'm again, curious. or it could go back down to where I'm it was. <laughs> I'm curious. The trend on some of these these lithium type stocks is because there is a lot of buzz on them. Do you think the reason they have so much cash on hand is because they've recently gone out and got venture capital, and they're kind of sitting on it to see? you know, what direction they're going to go, who the buyers are going to be, whether they're mining or not currently right now. Do they just own the mine? And that's boosting up, you know, the value of these stocks because they have the properties, but they haven't. It's like buying vacant land. You know, I've done that. You sit on it for a while. It doesn't do anything. And then all of a sudden everyone wants vacant land. So you're, you you automatically make money without really doing anything, you know, (laughs) other than other than losing money on it while you sat on it, you know. (laughs) And I think you're right. I think they probably did an offering and so forth, had a lot of cash, uh, did that. So now they're sitting on it. Uh, I was trying to pull up a balance sheet, and I can't quite pull it up here. I'm seeing some strange things uh, with uh, who we use here, uh, but we'll, we'll kind of kind of uh, get to that. But that's what I would look at the balance sheet to see what does it look like. And I bet you probably will see a lot of liquid assets there, probably from their offering. That they did. Especially, I don't know when they're estimating to start making sales. But if you don't have sales coming in, well, you need a lot of cash to yeah, run the business. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Keep the business going. <laughs> You you guys also brought up a point, I just wanted to mention it, is I am that guy at 60 who was in the uh, healthcare industry for the last 15 years, kind of got burned out, had a you know good 401k, I sold my house in October, moved back into a much smaller rental to kind of consolidate. Uh, I was a year premature on the selling, I think, but you can never time the market, as you guys know. And I knew that I knew that with the election coming up, it was going to go south. I just thought it was going to go south a lot sooner, so I got out. And my dad told me always uh, learn how to take profits along the way. Yes. And um, no one ever went broke taking profits. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I will say, um, um, uh, Michael, I, d- I did the same thing. I sold my house about a year ago. And very similar story, except I did invest the money and did probably better investing the money than I did in real estate. People say, oh, you missed on the real estate side. Well, no, I invested the money, so I actually did better than that. So, but yeah, uh, yeah. better early than late. Unfortunately, I stuck it in a very conservative fund and didn't get to capitalize on it. I think it was a JP Morgan fund that, you know, said, well, we vacillate between three to 5%. And I've heard about, well, you know, Principal preservation is a key thing, you know, as you go into retirement. But I'm only 60, so yeah, it's like, you, I think I was, uh, you should, I was a little too conservative. You, yeah, you should have called us. We would have done it for you, Michael. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I still may do that because I have a... I have an IRA that's that's very... It's, it's half bonds. You know, I flipped it from, you know, yeah. 90... You know, ninety ten stocks, and I flipped it to fifty fifty bond stocks about two, three years ago, and left a lot of money on the table on that as well. You know, because yeah. I got bad advice about bonds are a good place to park your money. So, well, well give us a call. I'm getting a signal that we got. Yep, there's a closing bell. So, give us a call, Michael. Uh, thanks for calling. Uh, thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions. Feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey, or Chase Wilsey at 858 546 4306. That's 858 546 4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. 
That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Have a great Saturday, great weekend. We'll be here next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.